welcome everyone to another episode of Tudo Português. My name is Angela Samoz, and I am here with John Dos Passos Coggin. Hello, John. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. I'm glad to be here. And for those of you who may have heard his name and said to yourself, Dos Passos, that name sounds familiar. So where, where have we heard that name before, John? And tell us a little bit about your background and this project that you're working on. Yeah, so I am the maternal grandson of John Dos Passos, the Portuguese-American author. He was born in 1896, died 1970. He's best known for his classic works, chief among them, the trilogy, the USA trilogy, which tracks the development of the United States from the turn of the 20th century to the very beginning of the Great Depression. And it's a mural of many characters coming and going and pushed by the vast forces at work in American society, industrialism, militarism, materialism. My grandfather was very interested in, in the character, the spirit of America, and whether we were living up to it, whether America was living up to the values that it aspires to. And uh, I think his legacy is in a period of renaissance right now. There's all sorts of places where his name comes up as people in, poli in American politics talk about the two Americas sometimes. And they refer to his famous writing in the USA trilogy about, all right, we are two nations. Or if folks may have just heard his name on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so you were lucky enough to know your grandfather, yes? Actually, that's one of the regrets of my life that he died oh, no. before I was born, a good 13 years before I was born. So, well, the relationship that I have with him is built mostly on books that he left behind, the letters, uh, which are very personal and revealing of his character. And, uh, and then the real richness is my mother's memories because she was 20 years old when he passed. And so they had an incredible relationship, 20 very happy years. And it's evident the closeness that they had when, whenever she talks about him and, mm -hmm. and in the devotion that she has to his, she was, she was devoted for all of her life to his legacy. And she passed that devotion onto me. And so, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing thing to still have this connection to your grandfather, even though you never met him, but just because of the stories and the, I guess, the connection that your mom passed on to you, right? I mean, that, that's pretty incredible. So at what point did you realize that you wanted to tell his story, right? Or, I mean, I'm sure this was kind of building over, over years, wanting to do something, not really knowing what you wanted to do. So talk to us about a little bit when was that seed planted for you? And then how did you land on this project? And then if you could tell us a little bit about the project, that'd be great. Yeah. So the project that I am working on right now and still building is a film, a feature film project called Son of Portugal. It's a script that I wrote a year ago about two families, one Portuguese, one American living in the 1960s, whose destinies become intertwined. And they're both living in the shadow of the Salazar dictatorship that dominated Portugal for most of the 20th century. 
and that is tragically really mostly unknown in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. It's quite rare to find Americans who even know uh, more and more Americans, gratefully, are are getting to know Portugal. Um, and where it's at. <laughs> maybe before tourism started to really spike to Portugal from America, I think most Americans would probably tell you Portugal was somewhere near Mexico. <laughs> but that's changing, thankfully. And I think it's time, the timing is right to tell a story like mine that goes deep into Portugal's history. A lot of tourists come to Portugal, they get to know the food, the wine, but they don't know the history that. Right. And so how my grandfather plays into that is that a lot of his life, his actual experiences are the inspiration for my plot, Son of Portugal. In 2014 or 2015, I don't recall which, I went to Spain to work on a documentary that a Spanish filmmaker, Sonia Tercero Ramiro, was uh, making on my grandfather's role in what's called the Jose Robles case of the Spanish Civil War. And that was a case where one of my grandfather's beloved friends, Jose Robles, vanished during the war. He was a translator working for the Republican cause. And my grandfather, like he was for all of his friends, was incredibly dedicated, very loyal and courageous. And he tried to get to the bottom of the disappearance and, of course, try to find his friends unsuccessfully. But it didn't end there. He helped Jose's uh, wife, his widow, and children get out of Spain. Um, and he helped a lot of other refugees escape Spain and resettle in various places. A lot of the Robles family ultimately emigrated to Mexico. Um, some of them live in the United States now, um, the descendants. So the spirit of that refugee story, the idea that a dedicated friend, an American, would step out of their own personal interests and step into a dangerous conflict to help a friend, the spirit of that lives in my script. It's simply been transposed to Portugal. Excellent. And so would you, so I guess this sort of qualifies as a bit of historical fiction. Um, is that kind of how it is? So it's kind of set in a historical setting, but the story is, is fictionalized, right? Most certainly. There are elements of actual historical events. Uh, I tried to be as true as possible to the character, especially of Salazar, who, who dominates, overshadows the film. I worked with a couple of historians and writers mm -hmm. uh, to build all the research that I did, the resources that I needed to tap into. And ultimately, when the film, uh, when Son of Portugal goes to production, I'm certainly excited for that day when it happens. I do plan to hire a history consultant, uh, one of my dear friends, to hopefully come to the set, uh, make sure that the production value is historically accurate and that the character of Salazar is accurate, if not down to every detail, accurate to the spirit of who he was. Do you, so you plan on filming a bit in Portugal, yes? Yes, absolutely. The way that the script is structured right now, scripts, I think, always change a little bit during production. But right now, we're, it's it's structured so that about half the film would be shot in Portugal, half in the U.S. Got it. 
And I know you're just starting on this journey. So, and it, and it can be a process, right? Making the film. Can you talk a little bit about the process? You know, how, you know, did you, do you write a, I don't even know the right terminology, frankly, like, do you write a screenplay first and then you shop it around or like, how do you, how did you get started on this? Yeah. Um, well, I think beginners, newcomers to the industry, like me, usually start with the script and okay. what they say in the business is there are scripts that are written on speculation and there's scripts that are ordered by a studio because there's a pre-existing business plan to tell a particular story and make a particular movie so as a newcomer my my script was on speculation or on spec so wrote the script not having any doors open really mm -hmm. you know, just on speculation on aspiration and fortunately um found a business partner pretty quickly after i finished the script marcio rosario is a very excellent successful producer and actor in brazil and mm -hmm. he's my business partner. He's made many films over the years. He has currently a, a horror short film that he produced and acted in that is really doing very well in the film festival circuit. It uh, was shown at the Los Angeles Brazilian Film Festival uh, a couple of weeks ago, and its film circuit run continues. So that's really the basis of of creating this project was locating a partner, a producer, mm -hmm. and now we're in the phase of building the most compelling, sophisticated materials we can to present to studios. And so that means fundraising to make sure we have just put ourselves in the best position possible. And fundraising, uh, you have started a GoFundMe, correct? A Kickstarter. So Kickstarter, that's right. Um, so that way people can, can contribute and feel like they're a part of this film. Can you talk about how's that going? Yeah, it's very exciting. I think it's cool because it is it is a way for anyone and everyone to participate. It's not this insular thing where you're just talking to a handful of investors. Kickstarter is designed to, obviously, it's a crowdfunding tool. And I've have, uh, I'm about halfway to my goal. Right now, nine days. That's amazing. And 46 backers. Um, so it's a wide spectrum of people who are interested, uh, people from Portugal, people from the United States and uh, Brazil. And that's really what we want because ultimately my partner and I, we want this to be a joint Brazil-United States-Portugal production. Those oh, that would be great. Is, would, would that be a, a kind of a first of its kind, a unique thing as far as films go? I don't know. Good question. I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to find that out. Anybody, if anybody's out there listening happens to know of a, a film that you know featured collaboration across the three countries, we'd love to hear about that. And so by the time this podcast comes out, unfortunately, I think the, the Kickstarter will be complete. But hopefully that means that we will be able to say that it was successful and you were able to raise your funds and, and continue on your process. Once the film is, is out, you know, and, and people are watching it, what are you hoping people will take away from the film? Hmm, that's a great question. What I'm hoping personally is that it's a cautionary tale politically for people in the United States, people in Europe, people in Latin America, for 
the dangers of fascism that, you know, we're all waking up from history. Uh, World War II really wasn't that far gone when, in many ways, European fascism was at its height. And a lot of Americans don't realize just how popular it was that it swept the entire breadth of Europe from Portugal to Spain to Romania, obviously Germany, Nazi, Nazi Germany, Americans mostly know, but many other places. And the Salazar regime is the longest uh, dictatorship uh, in Europe. It even exceeded really? uh, Franco in Spain. And uh, so, you know, when I think about the value of historical fiction, which is what Son of, Son of Portugal is, it's, it's that it, it's living history. Um, okay. um, and, you know, I grew up saturated by history uh, on both sides of my family. I learned oral history from my dad's dad, who served in World War II in the Pacific. He's a dive bomber. He, the tales of World War II were never ending. And then, of course, my maternal grandfather, John Passos, his life was saturated tragically by war and plague. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have had our pandemic. He had his pandemic, the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Contracted and, and got and survived. So, you know, that's one of, there is this big, serious historical message, but it's also at its heart a family story. It's about two families who who realized that through this student exchange program, student exchanges have been going on for decades. Uh, in fact, I think the uh, American the uh, student exchanges started at the end towards the end of World War II, and so those can be an incredible way to bring cultures together and break down walls create cross-cultural understanding. And so, yeah, I'm optimistic that people will relate to this story. And, you know, however long it takes to create the film, have you thought about kind of beyond that, if you will do anything else or what kind of goes along with, you know, just continuing to not only make sure people see the film, but understand the story, learn the lesson and, you know, what, what's what's kind of beyond the film, if you will? Well, I do a lot of other writing, uh, some about my grandfather. I have more plans in that regard. I'm interested. I think there's a lot more of ex- exploration that I want to do in Portuguese-American stories, Portugal stories, and Brazil stories. So um, I have a lot of, uh, I can't really, I don't have anything that's, ready to talk about yet, um, but I have a lot of plans. I am very interested, uh, as I mentioned, in, in in World War II, and I think there's a lot of, even though we've told so many stories, uh, what I'm interested in in World War II is, is not the battles, but rather the ideas, because I think we've pretty well documented almost all of the military events. Um, what remains to be understood and turned into compelling stories is the life of ideas uh, which resulted in those wars. One of my historian friends would probably tell me now, well, all of what happened in World War II is because of World War I, and you should really be looking at World War I, and that's true, but Portugal was a fascinating place during World War II. The 
network of spies, um, the the sort of false neutrality that Salazar created. It was technically a neutral country, even though it was helping the Nazis in a lot of different ways. Brazil was very interesting. There's one of the things I find fascinating is that FDR visited Brazil a couple of times. And that story has never really been told. You know, Brazil, in the grand scheme of things, did it have, did it turn the tide of World War II? Probably not. Um, it did, it did send troops to World War II on the side of the Allies. Hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of stories, I think, that, that can still be told that when we look at them, yeah, they're history, but they feel a lot like today, too. Right. Well, and I think also, too, while maybe the bigger picture stories have been told about the different wars, right? There are these individual stories that get lost in all the other noise, right? And so like a great example is Peter Francisco, who is the Hercules of the revolution, right? Of the revolutionary war. Like everybody studies the revolutionary war in in school or, you know, they've seen documentaries, but here's this guy that was kidnapped from Portugal and became such a, a pivotal figure in the Revolutionary War. I mean, we never would have known that had it not been for his grandson or great, great grandson, I should say, Travis Bowman, who's been doing um, very similar work to, to what you're doing for your grandfather. So my hat's off to to folks like you who are taking your passion and, and love for your ancestor and, and continuing their legacy essentially, and, and, and bringing their story to life. It's a, it's a wonderful initiative and I wish you the best of luck. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap it up? Well, I think our, I think our audience would, you know, there's, there may be some young people in the audience who have Portuguese ancestry or Brazilian ancestry and are wondering if they should learn the language, learn Brazilian Portuguese or learn European Portuguese or do something else to look into their heritage. And, you know, I, it wasn't that long ago that I really made the decision to do that. I'd say five years ago was really the turning point when I went to Portugal and Madeira, visited mm-hmm. um, the home place, the Villa dos Passos in Madeira. And came away really changed and it was a couple months later that I signed up to take language classes um, and have a lot of back since. So I recommend I recommend that that journey of discovery for anyone. It's been very fulfilling for me and it's never too late to start. Uh, absolutely. I was just going to say that it's never too late to, to connect. Uh, to start to learn the language. I myself really didn't learn to speak Portuguese either until I was an adult. So, uh, and I'm still <laughs> still working on it because I'm certainly not as fluent as I would like to be, but um, but it's a great point. It's never too late. Well, and so put a bang to you, John. Uh, it's I know it's a, a passion project, but hopefully it will succeed. And then we will all be watching Sons of Portugal and know a little bit more about your grandfather. And uh, I'm sure he's very proud looking down at you. Thank you so much. I, hopefully I'll, I'll see you at the movie. Excellent. Um, yeah, so thank you, John, for your time. And thank you, everyone out there who joined us for another episode of Tudo Português. As you know, uh, we talk about all things Portuguese here on this podcast. So if you have 
a guest to suggest or a topic, or you yourself would like to be on the show, please email us at palcus at palcus.org. We love talking about all things Portuguese here on Tudo Português. If you haven't subscribed to our to the Palcus podcast channel, please do so now. Share this episode and share the channel with family and friends. And please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or uh, Spotify or anywhere you listen to your podcast because it's those reviews that help others find this podcast and join in the conversation. And so with that, thank you all. Yateja. Thank you for listening to Tudo Português, a podcast production by Palcus, the only national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community. To learn more about Palcus, how to become a member, or to suggest a guest for our show, visit www.palcus.org or email us at palcus at palcus.org. <laughs>